This is Mindful Conversations with Matt and Rob. We are so happy that you have tuned in to today's episode. Thank you. This is episode 37. We're talking about triggers. Triggers. Triggers are a common human dilemma. Okay. So how do we identify and manage our emotional triggers? We're going to talk about that in today's episode. I look forward to that. Yes. As always, if you're new to our podcast, we tend to hang out and we find a topic that we just want to have a conversation about. We don't typically have expertise in every topic that we discuss. We just have thoughts that we bounce back and forth. Exactly. Sometimes we have guests that join us and add value to the conversation and the last two episodes of Mindful Conversations was with Ann Smith. And we were uh, talking about being trauma-informed. Yes. And so you definitely want to go back and listen to those. Today's episode was inspired from understanding that triggers are oftentimes associated with past experiences like trauma. Yes. And so we wanted to have this conversation to be able to help you if you have experienced events in your life and, you know, triggers, you may not have a, a knowledge of what a trigger is, but the reality is they oftentimes are little mischievous moments that kind of take over the body for at least a moment, sometimes longer. Yes. And oftentimes people don't know how to manage that or where it's coming from. So we want to bring a little bit of light to the subject. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. So um, Odin gets triggered (laughs) every time I come home. (laughs) He's excited to see you. So generally speaking, I get home later in the day. Deanne, my wife, is usually at home and I will pass by the... The, the kitchen, the sliding door, uh-huh. and Deanne will say something like, um, she calls me Poppy. Okay. That's, that's my name. And Poppy's home. Well, whether it's the, the conditioning process, Odin gets triggered, <laughs> and he gets super excited. Yeah. And so I park um, in the front of our garage, which is detached from our house, and it's usually dark. And Deanne lets him out once I parked and he comes racing out to my car. Yep. I've learned not to be outside the car because he'll bowl me over. (laughs) But he's always looking for something to put in his mouth. So I usually give him my water bottle and he runs off with the water bottle. (laughs) And then all of that energy gets dissipated. We get inside the house. He usually hugs me a little bit and then goes to sleep. Then things calm down. (laughs) But that little trigger of Poppy's home causes great chaos in a good kind of way. And that's what I was thinking when you were talking, you know, we're going to focus on some of the harder realities of triggers that are generally connected to trauma, but it would also be true. I would argue that triggers can have a positive effect, you know, like with Odin. Oh, for sure. You know, or you, a, me- a memory gets triggered of a favorite vacation or a space, a place you've been, or, you know, you listen to a song and it takes you back. Yeah. 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 So I guess what we would say is a trigger by definition, our definition would be 
that there is a historical context, good or bad, that is information in the form of a memory. Yes. And you will experience something in the present that has a form of that past experience that causes a reaction unbeknownst to you that, that elicits an emotional state of being. It's sometimes referred to as emotional hijacking. Yes. Cause it, 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 you know, our neocortex, the front part of our brain that's responsible for, um, rational thinking, uh, the trigger can bypass that and go right to the amygdala, which is that seed of emotion, so to speak. And it can emotionally hijack like it does in trauma. It emotionally hijacks the person and then they go, they go back to your point to that historical memory. Yeah, and the interesting theory that we were discussing before we started recording was the the theory of adapted information processing, yeah. which is an EMDR theory um, from Shapiro, and this is the eye movement desensitization reprocessing. It's a protocol that we use for helping individuals who have experienced trauma yep. and, and some form of PTSD, as an example. And by that theory, what I love about it is that it understands there was a traumatic event that happened in the person's past Mm -hmm. and the information associated with that event, all events that we experience have information stored with them, right? Yep. Data stored. So you've got thoughts, your cognitions. Yep. You have feelings and emotions. Yep. You have core beliefs. Yep. You have bodily somatic sensation. Yeah. All that data is stored with those memories. And that's one of the reasons why triggers are so um, powerful. Uh, One of the theories states that because of those somatic, that somatic uh, data that gets stored, your senses experience it. That's how we we process the world, right? Sight, sound, smell, taste. And because of the profound influence of our senses when they get linked to that memory and that trigger occurs yes now it's what traumatologists will say like in a in a with trauma the past is the present my brain doesn't make a distinction between then and now correct and that's when it can't do that your body is perceiving the threat as if it is happening in real time that would be the autonomic nervous system. Yep. And it's a it's a stress response or it's a yep. it's a sympathetic response for the technical term. And the reality is the the body, the you know, God has created us to experience difficulty. Yeah. Has created us to experience hardship and pain and suffering. We've talked a lot about that on yeah. this program. And, and yet it requires processing of all that data that we talked about. And sometimes events happen and there's not the right kind of processing yeah. or there, there is just not any processing. And that information that we talked about gets stored into long-term storage with the maladapted information. And then it becomes the source 
for triggers in the present. Right. There is some, there is some suggestion that it, it may or may not be long-term. It may or may not get there. But the reality, to your point, is wherever it's stored in the brain, however it's stored, it's stored in a maladaptive way. Yep. So I want to do a quick exercise. <laughs> okay. For all of you listening, I want you to follow the instructions of this exercise. Okay. Look into my eyes. <laughs> it's from Bugs Life. Yes. <laughs> what I want you to do right now, Rob, you included, I want you to think about childhood. Okay. And I just want to invite you who are listening to think about an event that happened around the holidays when you were a child that you remember as being good. Maybe a special place that you went, a gift that you received, an experience you had that you just remembered was really enlightening, very joyful. Do you have that? I do. Okay. So, Dr. Rob, what is the memory that came to you? Um, I was a kid. It was Christmas. My dad liked the holiday. And I wanted this, what at the time seemed like this massive, big red fire truck. Mm -hmm. And we got to, our our custom was to open presents on Christmas morning. And we got down there and under that tree was this massive, big red fire truck. Sweet. I know. I, I still think about it sometimes today. <laughs> and it was so much fun. And I, I think I wore it out. I played with it so much. That is awesome. Just out of a, do you remember what you were wearing? I don't remember exactly, but I know I had pajamas on. Thank God. Um, yeah, I know. And um, and it was just, and, and the tree had lots of presents because my I, I, I attribute it to my dad more so than my mom. He did overkill with presents, and so there were a lot of presents under the tree, but I was only interested in the one. So maybe you who are listening, you also followed the instructions and you found a memory. Um, I won't be able to hear that, but you have that in the working memory now. It's now yeah. present. Yeah. Okay. And the question I have is how long did it take you to get that, that memory that's stored from such a long time ago? It was only a matter of a nanosecond or two. I mean, I, I, I went through a number of memories uh, and followed your instructions. Yes. One that was significant. Yes. Right. And um, it didn't, it really didn't take any amount of time. So here's the key. If I would not have asked that question, you never would have gone to that memory, at least today at this table. Exactly. And so the point is that that memory exists, that data that yes. you described, it does exist. Yes. It is the same with memories that are not good. Yes. And so here's the point is that those memories, we ought to be able to touch base with memories from my past. And if you bring something up about my past, I would want to be able to bring it up. Not that it makes me feel good. Right. But you know that feeling when you bring something up and the heebie-jeebies come yeah. and you get flooded. <laughs> Yes. Or, or you have certain thoughts or beliefs 
or you feel it in your body, your heart rate is, is, is elevated, et cetera, et cetera. It's that energy that I'm interested in. I, the metaphor for me is this. It's like standing in a river with a current that you cannot stand against. Mm-hmm. That those, those more hardcore or negative or um, traumatic memories, they have a way of intruding into the present like a river just sweeping me downstream. And so the, the, the point of our conversation today as we get into this is when you have an emotional trigger, it's going to be anything associated with memories like I've brought up or experiences or events that spark an intense emotional reaction regardless of your current mood. Yeah. And this is what that hijacking experience feels like is you've experienced something that is similar to a past experience Therefore, being connected, because the memory network isn't a respecter of time and space. No. It's like having little tentacles all interrelated, crossing each other. So when one thing happens, it can trigger an event that happened a long time ago. Yeah. Right. So the reality is, as we look into this conversation, how would you identify where that trigger is coming from? So you might be reminded of an unwanted memory in a conversation with a friend or a spouse or a child. Um, oftentimes I remember that I would be in a conversation with my kids, now 23 and 25. Yeah. And there would be a reference to something that happened in their early childhood that I was guilty of. Yeah. And I remembered that when they brought up that incident, it flooded me and I got triggered and I became mostly in the early stage of reprocessing those experiences. I would become defensive. I would rationalize. I would justify. I would escape responsibility of addressing what happened. Therefore, I couldn't be of any value to my kids when we were retelling the story. Yeah, that's that's the maladaptive the maladaptive mechanism, right? You you are defensive. It's one of the it's one of the markers for a trigger. It 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 causes generally a defensive response. Yes. The emotional you know, the intellect gets hijacked. You can't keep tension on that. You can't look at that experience with a certain amount of objectivity. Yes. Yet the trigger is telling me something of great value. Agreed. And so I had to learn how to feel the intensity of that emotional arousal when that subject was brought up so I wouldn't disassociate or deflect right. or reject what was being said, but rather to attune to it and seek to understand, but that comes out of your own maturation or your ability to be integrated in your own identity. Yes. I, again, it sounds redundant, but maturity, it's like what you're describing is when I get triggered, if I have the ability to link the rational thought to the emotional response Mm -hmm. and those two are reasonably proportionate, Mm -hmm. that's adaptive processing. Yep. It doesn't take me back 
into a time where my brain cannot discern that what happened back then is once again happening now. Bingo. Yeah. So here are some common situations that trigger an intense emotion. So things like you experience rejection or a betrayal or some other form of unjust treatment. Maybe your beliefs are challenged in a conversation. Maybe you find yourself in a situation where you're helpless or you feel like a loss of control. Maybe being excluded or ignored in a relationship. Maybe you experience disapproval or criticism from somebody that's important to you. Feeling unwanted, unneeded, feeling smothered or too needed. Yeah. General insecurity or just your loss of independence. That's a great list. I think it's also important to just point out that to an individual who doesn't carry the same type of wounds, the triggers may seem insignificant or illogical. A hundred percent. Right? It's like... Because guess what? We're not omniscient. We don't know what's <laughs> going on in the inside of another human being. Right. Let me just read. Let me just reiterate that. People, listen to me. <laughs> You do not have superpowers. I know you think you're amazing, but you cannot know what's going on in another human being. God created us that way. Right. And so, you know, to your point, Matt, you know, if, if I'm triggered by someone not saying thank you or you're welcome or it's a, to, to another person, it may seem insignificant, but you're not omniscient. You don't know what or how that person's brain is a pro- processing that data and you don't know what kind of wounds caused the trauma in the first place. Yes. You just don't know. No. But, and I think you bring up a great point because be aware that people that you're around may be experiencing a trigger. Yeah. And here's what you're going to notice if you're a bystander or you're in a conversation and you see a person that appears to be different, like you identify that they're shaky. Yeah. Or they start to be really super quiet. Yeah. Or loud. If you go to shake their hand goodbye, their palms are sweaty. Yeah. If you actually interviewed them a little bit, they would tell you their heart is pounding and maybe they feel upset in their stomach. I think of it like this. Their response doesn't fit the context. Mm-hmm. Right? Their, their, their response doesn't fit the context. So you can have this massive... Um, like you would expect from the autonomic nervous system or sympathetic. It's like, okay, it's responding to a threat that doesn't exist. That's the emotional hijacking. Yeah. So all of those uh, symptoms that you described are really good indicators. Well, it's kind of like the holidays are coming up. Yep. I mean, we're, we're closing the month of October already. I did my leaves for the first time this past weekend. Okay. I have a cyclone rake. Oh. You know what that is? I do. It, maybe you should bring it over to our house. It's the big gigantic <laughs> hopper on the back. Yes. And the cool thing is I can do lots and lots of volume and just like dump it in my backyard. Makes me feel happy. Yeah. But the point is, yeah. is that oftentimes the reality is we have to be able to step back in order to understand what's going on. Right. So when you notice these signs or you stop to consider what's just happened, you need to be able to allow yourself to say, wait a minute, 
that hijacking, like there's a carjacking going on here. I need to step back before I follow its invitation. Yeah, because once it gets triggered, that's all she wrote. Yeah. I mean, you're hijacked, right? Now you're at the mercy of whatever emotion is kind of flooding. I I do think that um, you're talking about as soon as you become aware and or if you're honest about the kinds of things that trigger you, so you're doing proactive work. You know, if you think about it like um, in deep snow, you'll see those ruts in the deep snow, and if it's harder, you can't turn to the right or left. So wisdom would say instead of trying to drive in those ruts, expecting to turn right or left, I avoid them in the first place. Yeah. And I think people that are doing the work on their triggers understand that, okay, this is where I'm most vulnerable. I I need to do some work in that area to make sure that I'm taking these memories or these triggers from a maladaptive response to an adaptive response. It doesn't mean you forget. It just means you're now living in that tension with the, the, the rational and the emotional synchronized. Yeah, so going back to the holiday concept, you're going to go to Thanksgiving at Aunt Betty's house. Okay. Every year you go to Aunt Betty's, the same thing happens again. Yep. You get pissed off. You get irritated. It's always, you know, Uncle Joey, <laughs> you know, right? You know, he always eats too much turkey, whatever. He talks to your kids the wrong way. I'm saying think about what you experienced in the past and get ready or just step back and evaluate what normally happens. Do I want to have a conversation with a friend in preparation for going to Aunt Betty's house so that doesn't continue to like bamboozle me? Yeah, and I think too, you know, what's important here is... um, The triggers or the memory, how can I say this? Um, We need to train ourselves to recognize that the intensity of our reaction is not caused by the triggering event. It's the interpretation of. Does that make sense? Yeah, just say that again. I mean, yes, it's correct. I don't know if I can say it again. Um, We need to recognize, let me think how I said it, that the intensity of our reaction is not caused by the triggering event. It's the feelings, our understanding, our interpretation of these things. Um, you know, they'll sometimes say it this way. It's, it's not the thing that happened to you. It's the interpretation of what happened to you. I think that's so good. I think they're right. You know, it's like they're not justifying. Traumatologists and others are not saying, oh, you know, what happened to you is anything less than horrific or whatever. But I can control, that's how I move it with work, move it from maladaptive to adaptive. I can control my interpretation of that. I, I, can, dilute, I can dilute the influence or the potency of that. Okay, you can. I think does, you can. Does that mean you will? No. So how about the word responsibility? What is my <laughs> what is my response to my ability to manage a trigger? I think it's a lot like I'll use the metaphor of cancer or heart disease. I may not I, I didn't choose cancer, I didn't choose heart disease. 
but I now have the responsibility to manage it appropriately. And so what is my response to my ability? I think it's the word ability that I'm focusing on. Okay. I might not have the ability to do this. So my response to my ability is really poor because I keep failing. Therefore, my responsibility is going to be really low. Okay. Do you follow my logic? I think so. Let me see. What I think you're saying is once you get triggered, there's a change in the responsibility factor. Yeah, if I don't have strong ability to manage that trigger, my response is going to be poor. Therefore, my equation, my responsibility okay. is going to be low. Okay. I'm not going to be very responsible. But yet we tell people, you should be more responsible. You, oh, sh you yeah. should do this. I'm like... My, if we realize that the ability is just so low that they can't be responsible. I see what you're saying. It's like you're giving people grace because at some point the trauma circumvents all rational yes. logic and stuff like that. So it's a, it's only makes sense that they're, they're not, res I'm not responsible that I got heart disease. Yes. My responsibility in that is low. Bingo. Right. I am responsible for how I manage it. That's correct. Yeah. I, I think I see what but, you're saying. But you're learning your ability. You're, you're increasing your ability to manage yes. it. And as you do that, you're thus becoming more responsible. That's exactly right. I, I change my diet. I yeah. give up smoking and drinking. I do all these things that are recommended by, you know, um, doctors and nurses and other medical people and as i'm engaging in that process i go from not having a, a lot of control these events trigger me yes. and dominate to learning how to manage them and process them in such a way that's where therapists and counselors and others come in uh you know for those of us who have pretty severe trauma in our backgrounds it's like okay that makes sense to me what you're saying Absolutely. And so if you encounter somebody that's not being very responsible with their triggers, right? Haven't you ever heard, like, I've got to walk on eggshells around Yeah. Them? It's like walking on eggshells. It's like, it's really difficult to be in a relationship with them. Yeah. Especially when this topic comes up. Okay. What I'm saying is that person doesn't have the ability to be responsible. They need to be responsible. Right. They need the ability to really measure this, but they don't have the resources. No, and that's where you can come alongside and help them, encourage them. Or establish a healthy boundary for that relationship yep. so you don't keep getting right. abused by them not having the ability to be able to manage their own triggers. Yeah, I think that means you're talking about um, managing the reactivity in a way that... Um, mitigates the collateral damage yep every relationship as you've always said you get hurt in relationship you get healed in relationship yeah. the, right. the reality is relationship is the hardest thing on planet earth because it produces the most important outcome yeah called love right and it takes submission one to another to be able to produce the kind of love that i think we're talking about yeah patience Kindness. Kindness. Gentleness. Long-suffering. Sounds like scripture. I, I Gal thought it sounded... <laughs> Gal Galatians <laughs> chapter 5. Go there, the fruit of the Spirit. 
But a wise person in this process remains curious. Our good friend Cliff Berry always talks about being a curious researcher. I love that. And so you want to remain curious and you want to trace the roots of where this trigger is coming from. So you want to try to follow these feelings that you experience in the trigger back to their origin by thinking on other situations that have made you feel what you're currently feeling. Yeah. So this is where like a mood journal would fit. Yeah. Like if you find yourself dealing with it, journal those mood states and allow yourself to experience your emotion. Yeah. Nobody is saying don't feel. Right. We're saying validate the feeling, but regulate, control your response to those feelings. Yeah. You have to, it's a challenge, you know, and some might need help with this by talking to a therapist. Uh, but I think it is a challenge. What we're talking about is not an easy journey, but it is required for health and it is required for moving maladaptive trigger mechanisms to adaptive. You don't have to be so reactionary. Well, I think what we're saying is you, it's not healthy to be reactionary. No. It's, it's not good for you, and it's probably not good for the person you're in the relationship with. And I agree. But what we're not saying there is we're not saying be stoic. No. We're talking about triggers and overreaction or reactions that don't fit the context. We're not talking about the normal expression of emotion. Right. I think that's an important distinction it because is, people will, people will hear us and they'll think, well, you're just you're just trying to, you know, I should be stoic in every response. No, that's not what we're saying. You should be appropriately emotional for the context in the response. Triggers that are connected to trauma have that historical piece that you talked about. They're going to force, they're going to emotionally hijack you. And in that context, you're probably not going to get good results relationally. Yeah, maybe what we put in here as a as a condition that needs to be met is under the concept of emotional intelligence. Yeah. That you really need to be okay with emotion. Yes. Give yourself a wide berth in regard to experience and emotion. Here's what I mean. You're driving and somebody pisses you off. Yeah. Go ahead and be pissed off. Mm-hmm. recognize that something that they did created a reaction in you. It's not their fault, but you recognize that this situation created something bigger in you, but stay curious. Yeah. Don't deflect that responsibility to the person who pissed you off. Yeah. Don't go into road rage. Realize what happened so I think I've told this story to you. I don't think I've told it on the program, but I was taking Odin to to Rachel and Joe's because yeah. we were going out of town, and it's in Saginaw. It's a two-hour drive. It's a long drive. 
And I wanted to squeeze in a walk with Odin before I left. And I had to be back to work in Battle Creek by, like, let's say 11. Okay. So I had to leave, like, by 7 at the latest. Right. And so I squeezed in this walk. And so my margin was, like, super lean. And I got in the car, and I had to hurry Mm -hmm. to get going to make it by the time, you know, to be there by 9. And I was leaving my destination where I had walked, and I went up to the stop sign. It's a four-way stop. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I kind of rolled up, and another car to my right kind of rolled yeah. up at the same time, and I just took the liberty to keep going. Yeah. Well, he lays on his horn, uh-huh. and I give him the bird. <laughs> yeah, the middle finger. <laughs> Fellowship. <laughs> And I'm driving away because I've got some emotional intelligence. I'm not validating that I did this. I'm right. ashamed that I did this, but I had the emotional awareness to say, wow, that happened quick. Right. Like, okay, I need to pay attention. Yes. And so I had a two-hour conversation yeah. with myself and God. Yeah. And he was just kind of in a recliner asking me <laughs> questions. And the, the point was, was I aware of what had happened? Why did that moment trigger me so quickly? They lay on the horn. My middle finger goes up <laughs> yeah. immediately. Wow. <laughs> Didn't take but a nanosecond. But it was the awareness as I, as I became curious and I dug yeah. deeper. I realized that when my margins are really lean and I get pressed, I am vulnerable to making bad choices. Exactly. Does that make sense? A total make it makes sense to me. I mean, that's exactly right. It 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 it, it that context emotionally it hijacked you. <laughs> it hijacked it hijacked your intellect, your reason. That's not something you would normally do. I'm laughing because I'm thinking this guy was probably waving, "Hey Pastor Matt." <laughs> Hey, Counselor Matt, you know, and I didn't recognize who they were. And I flip them off. I'm like, what an idiot. But it does illustrate the point. That would be me, the idiot, not them. That does illustrate the point that you have to stay curious. You 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 can address these these triggers. You're not at the mercy of them. Yeah. You know, the 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 help, the technology, the understanding. Um God, I mean, there's a lot of resources available to help us heal from trauma. Yeah. And, you know, when you heal from trauma, the ideal is that it builds a greater capacity for resiliency. And that's a win for everybody. Bingo. Now, in my case, my my incident I just described isn't necessarily rooted back in trauma. Right. It's just like irresponsibility, immaturity, right? But here's the key. In either situation, you got to manage these triggers in the moment. Right. So once you've identified the trigger, you might think, well, that's easy. All I have to do is avoid that situation. Nope. It's not really that simple. You have to, you can't just avoid or escape from every difficult situation that you'll experience in life. And it's pretty much a guarantee that unpleasant emotions will always come up occasionally. So in other words, you're better off scrapping the gateway plan and preparing yourself to deal with any trigger that might come up from day to day. I think of it as increasing your bandwidth. Bingo. Right? You're not going to be able to avoid the brokenness of the planet. 
there's there's always going to be something that stresses, causes issues or what have you, whether it's connected or trauma or not. I am responsible and must take responsibility for how I act, think, and feel. Yes. That's where that's where true control and power lie, right? With me taking responsibility. I can't pin it on you. I can't pin it on Odin. Can't pin it on my kids. Right. It's like, and I think that when you increase that bandwidth, from my perspective, it increases maturity and then you're mitigating um, the reactionary responses because you've, you've dealt with them, whether they're caused by trauma or whatever. Exactly. So here are some closing thoughts. Own your feelings, right? First, remind yourself that it's totally okay, like I said earlier, Yeah. that you're feeling whatever you're feeling. So go ahead and accept that. Secondly, give yourself some space. Remember, physically leaving can help you avoid being emotionally overwhelmed and leading to bad choices. Remember, your, your emotion and your mind can conspire against you to form a reaction, a behavior that you won't like. Yeah, your emotions will hijack. Make sure you keep an open mind. Stay open. Don't be in the prison of trying to use shame and guilt to keep you locked down because you're such a bad person for having yeah. these triggers. Keep an open mind. Stay curious. Communicate. So when someone else's actions trigger you into an emotional state, opening up may actually help you avoid a similar situation in the future. Yeah. Find okay. someone safe to talk to about it. Take a minute to find your own calm if necessary, and then try using some type of an I statement technique versus a you statement and help them understand what it's like to be you in that situation. Yeah. Now, the last thought is long-term healing. You do have to do this work long-term to actually rewire the system. Yes. So using things like mindfulness, maybe double-check on those relationships that you're in, those toxic relationships that oftentimes trigger you maybe you have to take a break from something maybe not your spouse <laughs> yeah but but make sure that you're monitoring relationships that are challenging for and you and it could be maybe not taking a break but developing more robust boundaries right boundaries are another conversation maybe we'll have to come back in our <laughs> next episode so the bottom line is we're suggesting that learning how to recognize and manage these triggers will be essential to a life that is more peaceful. You're more in control. You have the opportunity to do some deeper searching in the, the landscape of your past to yeah. discover things that could be sourcing yeah. these triggers. And you can have more rich and better experiences in the relationships that you have. I would only add one thing. And and when you do these things, it will help you for the future. Absolutely. It builds that capability, that bandwidth. Yes. Yeah. Excellent conversation today. I As always I'm, I do. I always like these they go the time goes by so fast for me. Me too. I know I'm the one talking, you're the one talking. We hope that you who are listening, you've tuned in. Hopefully this has been a good topic for you to consider regarding triggers. We hope that you have a blessed day wherever that may lead.